morning. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together as a church family here in 2018. And good job for you getting here when you cranked your car and it said, mine said five degrees when I cranked it. I don't know what yours said, but well done for being here. Whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place for you to learn to grow and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us our spiritual growth is not just for our own benefit. We're all here to receive something this morning, but we also all have something to give. So as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also spread God's love to one more person. And as Bill said, we would love to, as this new year rolls around, people have resolutions. One of those may well be get more involved with the church or a church or grow closer to God or whatever. We would love to help you do that. We would love whether through our discovery courses, our share teams. Of course, if you're the 21st person who tries to sign up, you'll be out of luck. But just love to help you find a way to plug in in one way or another. So my wife and I on our honeymoon, we went to San Francisco because she grew up in that part of the country. We stayed in the downtown area. We used a friend's hotel point. Uh, it was a very nice hotel. And I walked in looking like, well, you know. Um, <laughs> but because we were using our friend's hotel points, they thought we were some kind of gold, diamonds, platinum, emerald club, you know, person. And so we got the little bit extra speech at the front desk. And so the person at the front desk gave us a map of the downtown area and circled many of the best attractions, how to get there from the hotel. And then she said, and as with any city, there are a few places you don't want to go. And she circled three places on the map and put big X's through them. And she said, don't go there. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me. But at the end of that discussion, there were only three places in San Francisco that I wanted to go visit. The touristy things were totally out of my mind. I wanted to figure out why were we told not to go to those three places. But in the end, we decided not to. We just went to the In-N-Out Burger instead. Uh, after we decided to, and don't do this, walk from our hotel to the Golden Gate Bridge, because it didn't seem that far, and at some point it was really that far, and we just stopped at the In-N-Out Burger and turned back. Plus, she had told us, don't go there. We have that same expression about our lives, don't we, too? Like, if someone is talking to us, or to me, or you, about something that we really don't want to talk about, or an area of life we really don't want to be open about, we say, don't go there. Don't go there. That's off limits. Here's my life, and it's wonderful. There's a lot of wonderful things to see in my life. And there are a few places that are circled with X's through them. Don't go there. Don't go there. So here's my question to our church family. What if in 2018 God wants to go there? What if God does some of his best work when you and I are outside of where we feel comfortable? And so what if in 2018, God wants to go there? 
So today we start a new series of sermons based on the book of the Bible called Jonah. Georgia read for us earlier from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Now, if you don't have a Bible of your own, you're free to take the ones in your chair as our gift to you. Or there's an app that you could download for a newfangled smart device. There's a lot of ways to have access to the Bible. So we're going to spend about five to six weeks, don't remember exactly how many, uh, working through the book of Jonah. During that time, I would just encourage you to, to read through the book on your own one or two times, or you can probably do it multiple times. It's four chapters long. It, it's pretty easy to read. See if there are insights that you come up with as you read it or study it on your own. Jonah is a book in the Old Testament. It was one that Jesus referenced often. Jonah was a prophet. That meant he was seen as one of God's messengers to the people of that era, and he likely lived sometime between 800 and 700 B.C. The book of Jonah contains probably the best-known adventure that this prophet went on. The book begins this way, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity. Now, I don't personally know Amity, but perhaps this was a helpful detail to the original readers. The book begins by saying, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. In other words, Jonah became convinced that there was something God wanted him to do. Now, how did that happen? We don't exactly know. Perhaps God spoke audibly to Jonah, or perhaps God impressed deeply upon Jonah an internal conviction. The passage doesn't give us specific details, but what we do know is that Jonah received some instruction and he realized it was from God. So what was that instruction? Verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So if you were at your house reading this through, because one of your pastors said, hey, read through the book of Jonah during the, during the thing, and you came across the second verse, there might be at least one unfamiliar word to you that you might want to do a little uh, Google search on, a little research on. What might that word be? The word that came to my mind was Nineveh. What is Nineveh? Is it north of Statesville? Is it on 421 or 321? What is Nineveh? Well, generally you can do this work on your own, but just for today, I'll do some of the work for you. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. You remember that period of history where it seemed like every few hundred years some group took over the known world? So Assyria was one of those groups. And at some point they conquered the known world. Their capital was Nineveh, and it was a very large city. That's what the Bible means when it says it was a great city. The Bible is not a, a, some kind of a tourism brochure for the city of Nineveh. Like it's a great city. It means it was a large city. It was a, a huge city, right? It, it was tremendous. So the Assyrian Empire was known for its violence. It was known for its violent conquest of people. It was known for the violent ways that they ruled over conquered peoples. Jonah was an Israelite. Jonah was one of these conquered peoples. And here's God telling Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell these harsh people some harsh things. They need to hear it. Go to Nineveh. Now, what does Jonah do? Jonah essentially says to God, don't go there. Don't go there. Verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. 
where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah bolts. He runs. He goes to Joppa. Then he gets on a boat headed for Tarshish. Where is Tarshish, you might ask? Well, it could refer to a place in modern-day Turkey, or it could refer to Spain. So perhaps a very professionally drawn map will help you make sense of all this. You see the Mediterranean Sea. That's where we are in the world. We're, we're to the east of the Mediterranean Sea. There's Jonah. He's not to scale. God has told Jonah, go to Nineveh, which is to his east. He goes to the port city of Joppa, which is west, and then he gets on a ship headed to Tarshish, which whichever way it, one it is, it's further west. That's the little boat he got on, as you can tell. Good thing Jonah's not to scale. He would have sunk the boat. So Jonah is literally going the wrong direction, is what is trying to be communicated there. And the Bible describes this as Jonah running away from God. That he's not just running away from God's commandment, he's running away from God. Now, as a preview, the rest of the book is about how God doesn't give up on Jonah. The rest of the book is about how God gives Jonah countless second chances, teaching him important lessons at every step along the way. I want to point that out because some of us are here today and we feel like or we know that we are in the midst of running away from God. So you need to hear that What's about to happen in this book is that God does not give up on the runaway. That God gives the runaway countless second chances, teaching the runaway lessons at every point along the way. But at this point, Jonah is running away from God. And can you blame Jonah? Because God told Jonah, told Jonah go to Nineveh. I'll probably do that multiple times in this series. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Nineveh represents all the cruelties of a cruel empire. Since Jonah was a little boy, don't you imagine he'd been told about how awful the people in Nineveh were? Don't you imagine Jonah grew up playing games with his friends where the Ninevites were the bad guys? So now God's telling Jonah, go to Nineveh. And I imagine in doing so, confronting a deep prejudice within Jonah. Because that is a place where he had been taught to circle on the map and put an X through, don't go there. And now God is saying, go there. What is Jonah to do? He loves that God is loving. He's just not sure he wants God's love to extend all the way to Nineveh. What about you? Is there a person? Is there a group of people that you have been taught or that you have decided to put a circle and a big X over? Is there a person or a group of people that you have on your don't go there list? It could be in-laws or outlaws, those who are poor or those who are rich, Republicans or Democrats, 
the police or teachers, radical Muslims, half-hearted Christians, old folks, young folks, homeless folks. Perhaps for you, it's folks who use the term folks. But whatever it might be, the introduction to Jonah is suggesting that God is interested in pushing us. God is interested in pushing us beyond where we are right now, pushing us beyond where we feel comfortable, pushing us to consider how far His love does extend, pushing us to confront the part of us that wants certain people or certain groups of people to be be right beyond the reach of His grace. God says, go to Nineveh. Now that word go is important because the word go, to me, echoes something that Jesus said. Some of his final words to the original disciples, Matthew 28, he told them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These final words, these marching orders to his disciples are often called the Great Commission. That those of us who follow Jesus or if you ever decide to follow Jesus, Jesus has sent us on a mission. And that mission, plainly stated, is more and better disciples. More and better, more and better disciples of Jesus, more and better followers of Jesus. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, of all groups of people. Jesus is saying that God's family will cut across all the lines that divide our world. And when we look at how Christianity is thriving in so many diverse places around the globe, we see the truth of Jesus' statement. Go and make more and better disciples baptizing them, in other words, washing them with water as a symbol, as an assurance that Jesus washes clean those who put their faith in him and teach people what Jesus has taught us, all the while saying, don't just listen to this, don't just write this down, put it into action. So Jesus gives this mission to his followers, Jesus gives this mission to us if we follow Jesus or if we ever decide to follow Jesus. And then there's that little sentence at the end. Jesus promises he will always be with us. Now, why does Jesus promise that? Because if all Jesus means by this more and better mission is that we just go back to our lives as we know it, now just with the added burden of this more and better mission, we just go back to, to uh, Bridge Club or, or you know, something like this, but now if we get a good hand, we're, we have to say, praise God, which is not helpful when you're trying to play a card game and you don't want other people to know what hand you got. If that's kind of all Jesus means by this more and better mission, why would he promise to be with us always? Like, I'm pretty sure I can handle that all on my own. Why do I need Jesus to be with me? I would only need Jesus to always be with me if this whole more and better disciples thing is going to push me and push you beyond what we know, to push us beyond where we're comfortable, to push us into unknown territory, 
to push us into territory that challenges us, challenges us to change, challenges us to confront our biases, challenges us to maybe even see the world or see our lives differently. That's why Jesus would need to be with us always. And so when I hear one, I hear the other. Go to Nineveh. Go make more and better disciples. God is pushing us into unknown territory. But don't be afraid. The one who is pushing you will be with you every step of the way. So what does Jesus' mission of making more and better disciples mean for us? Jesus is showing us that this is what God is doing in the world, that God's deepest desire is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. And you and I can try to fight that wave, which I imagine might be frustrating, or we can decide to ride the wave. We can say in 2018, okay, here's the main channel of what God is doing in the world. How can I make that, how can I position myself so that that is a a tailwind, so that is wind in my sails, Instead of a headwind, I'm always trying to fight against. So what does that look like? What what might the more and better mission mean for us in 2018? It might mean at the very least two things. Number one, number one. Number, 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 number. One. God wants to work in you. It means that God wants to work in you. In other words, God wants you to become a disciple of Jesus, or God wants you, if you already are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, to become a better disciple of Jesus. This is, in fact, the principal thing God wants to do in your life, and thus is the principal thing He wants to do in your life in 2018. God is the God of countless second chances. And so you and I can leave behind our reasons of why we're not where we should be so that we can commit ourselves into Jesus' hands, so that we can follow Him more closely. And yes, that may sound scary. And no, I cannot promise you exactly where Jesus will lead you. But I do know that He will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus wants to change and transform all of us from the inside out. He wants to get all of us to the place in our lives, uh, to go into those places in our lives that we currently have marked with, don't go there. Don't go there. He does some of his best work when we start to let him into those places in our lives that we have marked, don't go there. Don't go there. God wants to go there so that we might find healing so that we might find forgiveness, so that we might find purpose and life as abundant as it is everlasting. God wants to work in us. God wants to push us to do some things and confront some things and change some things that are beyond what makes us comfortable. This is why a relationship with God through Jesus Christ starts with trust. Another word for trust is faith. But a relationship with God through Jesus Christ starts with trust. The reason being, I will only let someone I trust take me somewhere I don't want to go. I will only let someone I trust get into those places in my life where I really don't want people to go. Now, some of us are here today because we've decided that we do need God to work in our lives. And I say, good, 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 good for you for being here today. 
And I, I know just being in this room, being in worship with other people for some of you is already this step I'm describing of way outside of where you feel comfortable. And I will just reiterate to you, God does some of his best work when we are right outside of what makes us currently comfortable. And so I hope you'll make this rhythm of worshiping with our church or with any some church. If this ain't the one for you, we'd love to help you find one. But worshiping weekly or as often as you're able in the, week, in the year ahead so that you might become a disciple of Jesus or a better disciple of Jesus. Now, for some of us, this may look like taking a step far beyond where we currently feel comfortable. And as Bill was talking about earlier, joining a Bible study where we might be known or, or joining a discovery course or joining a community group. Go and put your name on one of the 20 empty blanks over there. Join a share team. Start serving in some way. God does amazing things in store for you. And they are typically right beyond where you currently feel comfortable. God has amazing things in store for you. And they are typically right beyond where you currently feel comfortable. And then number two, number two, number, 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 number. Are we hot yet? Is everybody feeling warm and toasty? Two. God wants to work through you. If you want to stay for both services, feel free. This is like the most heated room in Lake Norman right now. So God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you. In other words, this whole more and better disciple thing, God wants to make you a disciple or a better disciple, but then he wants to work through you to help other people either become a disciple or a better disciple of Jesus. This more and better thing is for you, it works in you, but then it can also work through you. God's family grows one more person at a time, and one of the best ways you and I grow spiritually is to become a trusted spiritual guide for somebody else. Now, you don't need to be anybody's savior. That job is not open. Jesus applied for it and got it. So you don't need to be anybody's savior. I'm just encouraging us to be a trusted spiritual guide to one more person. That as you follow Jesus, or if you ever decide to follow Jesus, turn back and help one person who's not as far along as you are. You are not the least mature Christian in the world. If you think you are, you cannot be. Because you have enough humility to think you could be the worst one. So you're not. You also think you're the most mature Christian in the world. You are not. Because you don't have the humility to think that you're not. So you're somewhere in the line if you follow Jesus. There's someone in front of you you could learn from and someone behind you that you could help along the way. You don't have to have all your life figured out. You don't have to have all your messes sorted out before God can use you to make a difference in the world. God has a purpose for you. God has a future for you, a future full of purpose and hope. But to get to that purpose, God is, Jesus is going to have to lead us just a little bit beyond where we feel comfortable. And the truth is, many of us don't feel qualified to give directions to the Taco Bell much less to be a trusted spiritual guide to someone else, much less to point someone in God's direction. But God doesn't always use the best and the brightest. God uses those who are willing. 
God uses folks from all kind of groups, all kind of life circumstances to be his ambassadors, to carry his love to those who need it. And as God works in us, he also works through us. And as God works through us, he often gets us to the point where we realize that God loves people and God loves groups of people that I don't currently love. We realize God wants those people and those groups of people to experience his love. And so we hear those words in our mind, go to Nineveh. Step out beyond where you are comfortable. Enter into the danger of not knowing exactly everything how it's going to go. Follow Jesus just beyond where you currently feel comfortable. And watch as he confronts your biases, my biases, your shortcomings, my shortcomings. So that God can work through us and carry his love to all sorts of people. The world does need more love. But God has a plan for that. It's to work in us and then to work through us. So I hope those little words will rattle around in your mind until we get together this time next week. Go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. Go to the little parts that are circled with an X over them. Whether that be an actual place or a person or a part of your life to which you would say to me, don't go there. Don't go there. All right. So here's my question as I close. How specifically might you step beyond your comfort zone to join Jesus more and better mission in 2018. How specifically might you step beyond your comfort zone to join Jesus in his more and better mission in 2018? For some of you, that may mean showing up next week because this is the most uncomfortable you've been in a long time. Not that it doesn't maybe hopefully feel inviting or like home, but like this is not what I do at 930 on Sundays especially when it's five degrees outside. I've heard it's 10 degrees now, so don't worry. Next week, it'll probably be 60 degrees if you're new to the area. If you don't like the weather here, just wait. It'll change. For others of us, that may mean committing ourselves to Christ. The, the uncomfortable next step for us is to actually step over the line of faith and commit ourselves to Christ, and we don't know all of what that means, and we don't know all of what Jesus will do in our lives. But he does some great work where you're, when you're willing to step out, follow him, just beyond where you're comfortable. For you, it may mean uh, joining, a, a, as I said earlier, a Bible study, a community group, a share team, even though you have plenty of insecurities telling you why you shouldn't do those things. Perhaps for you, it means being willing to talk openly and respectfully with another person about your faith in Christ. Or maybe for you it means becoming an ambassador of Jesus' love, an ambassador of His grace and of His truth, even when that means crossing lines of division. So I don't know exactly what it means for you, but my prayer for us as a church family is that in 2018, 
we might see the amazing work that Jesus does when we follow him just beyond where we are currently comfortable. That's my prayer for us. That means it's going to be a doozy of a 2018. I think it'll be beautiful. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk with God. This may be the first time or the first time in a long time you've ever done this. But just in the quiet of this moment, talk to God. Lord, I believe that you have wonderful things in store for each person in this room. And that many times those wonderful things are just beyond where we currently feel comfortable. And so my prayer for each of the, us is that we would follow you. We would take the assurance that you will be with us. And with that, we would follow you just beyond where we currently feel comfortable. And I pray that as we do that, you would do amazing things in our lives and that you would do amazing things through us that bless and improve the lives of others, that allow others to experience your love in a way that they never have. And Lord, for the person today who truly their next step, as uncomfortable as it may feel, is to step over the line of faith and to commit themselves to you. I pray that whether during this quiet moment or during these songs or in the prayer station after the service, that they would just simply open up their life to you with a prayer as simple as Jesus, I commit what I understand of me to what I understand of you. And I'll do that for the rest of my life. Lord, I do pray for our congregation in 2018 that you will do more than we can ask or imagine, that you will hold us up when things are hard, and that you will give us moments of unscripted joy. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together with our voices, our offering, and our prayer requests.